0: You're listening to SMSF connect podcast on iRadio live that brings you programs covering a variety of genres under development.
1: Hello and welcome to the SMSF connect podcast series where we aim to bring you to the experiences and insights of people and companies who are making significant contributions towards social development. In this section of Let's Connect, we delve into the fascinating world of human behavior, leadership, and organizational success. I'm your host, Pooja Obarai Murada, and today we have the pleasure of connecting with the renowned author, management consultant, executive coach, and management trainee, and the founder of Advanced Business Consulting and Human Logic Institute, Mr. Jan Dirk Kirtima. Jan, has been closely associated with SM Sehgal Foundation since 2004 and is one of our Council of Advisors. Welcome, Yan. Welcome to our Thank show.
0: Thank
1: uh, Yan, you have a diverse background transitioning from marketing to understanding human logic. You have been consulting and training in management since 1997. Uh, your basis of uh, understanding human behavior results from 25 years of extensive research and many in-depth interviews with leaders all around the globe. So could you please tell our viewers and our uh, listeners uh, about this transition and what led you to focus on human behaviour?
0: Well, you mentioned uh, marketing as, uh, as my starting point, which was, which was actually not the case. I've done uh, quite a few things before that, including serving in the military and learning leadership there. Fantastic. So my focus has always been on leadership. Mm-hmm. I happen to end up in a, in a marketing role that I found fascinating because there's marketing everywhere around us, also mm-hmm. in this organization. Uh, for instance, your whole uh, Reach Out uh, initiative is, you could say, a form of marketing. Yeah. Uh, but I've always, you know, I early on got intrigued by the difference in uh, performance and results by people in leadership roles. So that has always had my... Uh, my attention and my, uh, it inspired me, uh, but it also uh, helped me uh, look for the reasons why some leaders are successful and other leaders are not successful. Mm-hmm. I can also put it differently, some leaders are mag- magnificent leaders and they uh, they, that, that reflects in their results mm-hmm. and some people are disastrous leaders, which eventually will also reflect in their results. Mm-hmm. And that has always intrigued me. So that started, that's why I started my own research at some point, mm-hmm. uh, which is about 25 years ago, mm-hmm. uh, into human behavior.
1: That's fantastic, Yan. Uh, uh, so now let's delve into the topic of behavior styles. Could you shed some light on the different styles of behavior that, as per your research that has come at the forefront?
0: Yeah. Okay, so our research is not necessarily, uh, it's not that we discovered those styles. Those styles have been described over the last thousands of years in, in, in various cultures. Uh, based on two dimensions of behavior. One is assertiveness, Mm -hmm. the extent to which people freely and openly assert themselves. And the other one is uh, uh, what we call responsiveness. Um, And combining these two dimensions, uh, you can form a grid and that is common knowledge. That is what is behind basically every behavior model um, uh, that you'll find in the market, Mm -hmm. you'll find these two dimensions. So we didn't invent that, uh, but at some point, about 25 years ago, I got interested in the question what is behind those behavior styles, you could say, those, those combinations of behavior. Mm-hmm. Uh, what is behind it? Why do people develop the way they do? And that's where our research started. Okay. And um, there we came to the conclusion that uh, through thousands of interviews, in-depth interviews with individuals with certain behavior styles. And of course, we all put labels to these behavior styles. We talk about drivers, amiables, expressives, analyticals. In our case, other companies use different names. Uh, But I was interested to find out what is behind these labels Mm -hmm. uh, and why people actually um, act the way they do and respond the way they do. And that's where our research started. That's also uh, the book that I wrote, which i call Human Logic. Mm I call it human logic because one of the things I found out is that human behavior is incredibly logical and with that also predictable once you are able to assess what style a person actually has. And style is nothing but the average uh, set of behaviors that people use in interacting with other people. Um, but part of the research was that we found out that the, that the brains of these people also differ. Okay. So, you know, some of the the providers of, of training in the market, they say that we can easily change behavior style. Okay. We found out that that is not the case. Mm-hmm. You know, we are at some point somewhere in our life, very early on in our life, and we believe somewhere between four and seven, we start getting wired the way uh, uh, we are. Yeah. And it's very hard to, to change that. Uh, so that means uh, the, the, the most important part of this whole approach is that people have to learn to embrace who they are, mm-hmm. and what their strengths but also their liabilities are depending on their behavior style.
1: So, uh, you, in your training do you also uh, uh, you know, categorize that these behaviors are better than the other?
0: No. No. There is no good or bad version of this. Uh, but some you know, people are different. Some people have a tremendous need for control. That's one of the things we found out in our research. So then, you know, if you have a need of control, you try to stay on top of everything. So you're a person that take a lot of, you, you take a lot of initiative. Other people are more thoughtful. They, you know, they also use a different part of their brain as a steering mechanism for what they do um, than the people that I mentioned before. Uh, those people, the thoughtful people, that's what I call analytical people, they need to think uh, about all the different perspectives that you can give to a certain question or problem before they come to a conclusion. Mm-hmm. Now the person that I mentioned earlier, what I call the driver, the one yeah. that needs control, they just want to make a decision. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so they will take a decision, even if, if whether it's good or right, deciding is more important than the quality of mm-hmm. the decision because we have to move ahead. Yeah, yeah we can always adjust and um, then there's another group of people um, Mm -hmm. that we we call amiable others call it differently so other people they have a strong need for harmony Mm -hmm. and uh, so they will be more soft-spoken and always try to find middle ways and solutions that suit everyone Mm -hmm. Uh, there is a group that we call expressive people they really want to be the center of attention Mm -hmm. Uh, so everything is is you know revolves around them being the center of attention. Mm -hmm. So there's no good or bad. And we need all four uh, behavior styles to be successful as an organization. Uh, Because if you have too much of one style, then it's going to be either a big mess or it's going to be very quiet.
1: So building on that idea, how does the versatility of individuals within an organization contribute to its success and uh, growth? And why is it important for organizations to have a diverse range of skills and yeah. perspectives as you
0: okay. Know. okay. So coming back to your first question, um, versatility is actually uh, what it's all about. Mm-hmm. So I mentioned earlier, behavior style doesn't matter as long as you have a good mix of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Because uh, different styles have different qualities, which means that you have more qualities if you have a higher diversity. And that immediately is an, is an answer to your second question, Uh, The higher the diversity in your organization, the more creativity you will have. But it requires people to understand that some of their uh, Mm -hmm. co-players in the organization, uh, they have a different way of thinking and a different way of deciding. So there's two things. One is to strive for that diversity. But the second thing you always need to do is to help people understand that diversity and learn how to deal with those differences between individuals.
1: So, uh, from that perspective, uh, you think that uh, in an organization, uh, who actually should understand th- that this is the way, uh, you know, tapping of resources should be done? Is it HR? Is it...
0: Everyone. My answer would be everyone. Mm-hmm. You could say who should initiate this the development of understanding that... If you have a good uh, people and culture organization or, or group in your organization, then let them take the lead in it. But the key, of course, is always with leaders. Mm-hmm. Leaders have to demonstrate a certain behavior uh, and, and lead by example. Uh, so if you want to develop this, uh, I would always start with the leaders. Mm-hmm. And in that sense, you always have to start top down. So
1: shifting gears, uh, Jan, let's discuss uh, handling critical feedback, Mm -hmm. something that, uh, you know, most most of the working professionals uh, grapple with. So how should one effectively manage a situation where a colleague shares critical feedback about their performance, about the behavior?
0: As a receiver of the feedback or as a provider of the feedback?
1: Actually, both. All
0: right. Let's start with with the receiver of the feedback. Because receiving, constructively receiving feedback is as difficult as providing feedback. Uh, People often feel hampered in giving feedback for for many reasons. It's a very deep fear of people to to provide constructive feedback, uh, which is a pity. That's one of the first things leaders should learn. But if we start with uh, receiving, constructively receiving feedback... I think it's important to realize that when somebody gives you constructive feedback that this person cares about you. Mm -hmm. You need to be worried if you get no feedback. Mm -hmm. Um, So receiving feedback requires you to leave your ego at the doorstep Mm -hmm. and just absorb what the other person says and then to try to look at the feedback from the perspective of the feedback giver and then it may be possible to see what the other person actually meant. Uh, So always be grateful for it and be thankful for providing feedback. Even if at first you cannot accept it, take some time to let it sink in and look at it from, as I said, the perspective of the other person. Mm -hmm. Now, when it comes to providing feedback, it is very important that, um, that we're all human beings. Nobody is perfect. So when you provide feedback, do it with care and do it with understanding for the other person starting with understanding what the behavior style of the other person is because different styles have a different way of receiving feedback uh, and adapt your feedback to the style of that person, but then make it constructive. Mm -hmm. And what I mean by making it constructive, that starts by being very specific about the behaviors um, that you believe should change or Mm -hmm. the actions that were not appropriate. Uh, be very specific about it without being judgmental. Mm-hmm. Because the moment we sit there, uh, you know, and we're being judgmental, then we become the judge. Right. Uh, uh, but nobody's perfect. Mm-hmm. Yeah? So it's better to be at eye level with the other person as a human being. Uh, make it specific. Give some examples. Uh, and then also provide suggestions for what the other person could change. Uh, again, in a constructive way.
1: I remember in one of the uh, initial workshops with you, um, I have learned a very important uh, tool that you gave us, providing feedback, which has helped me uh, till date as a leader, as a team member. And that style, I still remember you called it uh, sandwich technique.
0: Yeah. Okay, so the sandwich technique is uh, indeed a good technique for an organization that still has to learn how to deal with constructive feedback. Okay. I'll give an example. In the Air Force, we got unfiltered, very straight feedback. Mm-hmm. Uh, when we had to fly in formation and that was videotaped, mm-hmm. and I would make a mistake, I would get unfiltered, harsh feedback on what I did wrong. They would show the, the videotape. And there would be no, there would be no sandwich. It Mm. was only... Straight. It was straight. I call it the the meat, but okay, Mm -hmm. among vegetarians, you shouldn't call it meat, (laughs) but it's the meat in the sandwich. Mm. But that was possible because we had a culture where feedback was completely normal. Mm. Now, if you do not have a culture where feedback is a normal thing, so Mm -hmm. people are not used to it, then the sandwich indicates that the bottom bun of the sandwich is actually Mm -hmm. some positive observation that you have about the person. Okay. Yeah, so you start with a compliment about something that they've done well, mm-hmm. and then you move towards the the meat, which is the critical feedback, mm-hmm. uh, which should be, uh, as I mentioned before, it should be specific, mm-hmm. uh, it should not be from, you know, it should not be aloof. Um, and then you eventually move to the top one, which is basically, again, saying something nice to the person. It's always a good principle, but at the same time, um, I still wish to say, if you have an organization where feedback is a normal thing and it's something that people are not afraid of to give or receive, you don't need uh, you don't need the sandwich anymore. Mm, yeah, good. you just need the meat, and that is the critical feedback. Yes. So it's a learning process. It's a learning, it's a learning process. process. A learning process. Yeah.
1: So uh, actually, I think it's quite a life skill providing uh, feedback. If you understand how to. Give the feedback pro- properly; the the recipient's job becomes very easy, and the yeah, what you want yes. to achieve by giving the feedback yeah. also the results uh, are easier to get. So
0: people need to learn and to train how to do this. Mm-hmm.
1: Thank you for sharing uh, those valuable insights, Yan. And uh, now let's touch upon your long-standing association with the cycle Foundation, and uh, how. How do you perceive the growth of the foundation over the years?
0: Well, I remember when I started uh, supporting the organization back in uh, uh, January 2004, um, we had a I remember that we were in that old building of Mm -hmm. the organization. We had that was a core team of eight people. Yes. Now, in the past few weeks, I probably have seen 100 people altogether. Yes. Um, I mean, there has been a tremendous growth. Mm. Um, which is uh, absolutely based on the drive of uh, the founder of the foundation, of yeah. course, who has its own very noble reasons for, uh, for, for, for this growth and trying to reach as many um, communities in India as possible with, uh, with improvements. Uh, you could say life improvements. Mm-hmm. Uh, that is also what uh, I admired that very much. I, I kind of knew Dr. Siegel... Uh, through my own experience in the seed business, mm. I, ha- I ended up with the foundation uh, through a coincidence. I was introduced, um, but I got so um, uh, inspired by by the mission that uh, that I wanted to keep um, providing support uh, in whatever way. And um, well, thank you for that. Yeah, well, mm-hmm. uh, it's uh, it's a pleasure, and it. Uh, it it's humbling for me also, I have to say. I use examples from what I experience here also in large corporations to show uh, you know, how to do certain things because um, that same dedication is sometimes missing in, in, in big corporate life. Um, but the growth in itself is, um, if I look at the last three years and the fact that the reach of the organization has almost doubled. You know, 40% was added yes. in the last three years alone over the 20 years before that. Yes. That's why every um, consultant in the corporate world would say this is, uh, this is an almost suicidal growth rate. <laughs> now, don't take suicidal um, literally because this was possible because of the quality of the organization and mm-hmm. the people and the dedication that people had, but most of all because of the collaboration between the people. Yeah, that is the example that I give to corporations of what I experience mm-hmm. here. How, when people have the same uh, mission, mm-hmm. they share the same mission, yeah. and they believe in the mission that they can, uh, they can basically, uh, you know, uh, create wonders sure. and miracles. And uh, that's what I've been seeing. Sure. It's, it's hard work though for everyone. Yeah, that's. Uh, I don't yeah. want to. I don't want to. I shouldn't miss that part. Um, people are working very hard. Yeah.
1: And it's very uh, inspiring and motivating, uh, I think for the team members, when uh, someone who is not a part of the daily work uh, and an advisor who's been advising to the large corporations, when something like this comes from you, it becomes very motivating for us and we actually see that we are working in the right direction.
0: Correct, yeah. And actually, it goes as far as that I uh, mentioned to your CEO that, uh, you know, I, at universities, I sometimes are asked to, I'm asked to uh, have a CEO mm-hmm. uh, make a talk about leadership mm-hmm. that uh, I told her that I might invite her
1: mm-hmm.
0: yeah, because, of the, because of the tremendous results that she has achieved yeah. over the last couple of years. Yeah, that'd be wonderful. I'm sure she would love to do that, yeah. too. Uh,
1: thank you, actually. For sharing all your expertise and insights in this um, short span of time. So, before we conclude, uh, is there any final message you have uh, you'd like to actually convey to the listeners of SMSF Connect?
0: Uh, well, I, you know, the message I will I would like to give is, of course, from my own perspective, looking at uh, this situation of growth. Yeah? And uh-huh. I, one of the things I mentioned this morning. Um, Uh, In a meeting that I was in, you know, this should not just be about growth, this should be about healthy growth.
1: Sure, yeah.
0: And we shouldn't forget the word healthy. Yes. Because there is a limit somewhere. Very important. So there's two things that I consider as extremely important, uh, apart from um, maintaining the culture and the mission, the mission and the culture that you have. That would be the right order, the mission and the culture. Uh, which is a big, uh, that that is a big effort in itself because you'll have a a large influx of new people. Um, Mm -hmm. It is very important to pay attention that uh, the mission and the culture, that they remain pure. Mm -hmm. Uh, That will require an effort for which you need, the first thing that I'd like to mention, and that is uh, invest in your leadership. Mm -hmm. Invest in the leadership capabilities of the people that have to lead, in which collaboration is more important than power. So leaders should never come to work for this organization with the idea that they're leaders because of the power, mm-hmm. but they're the ones who facilitate collaboration. Okay. That's one thing. So it requires a certain leadership uh, leadership culture as well. The second thing is uh, what you need is a absolute focus on the priorities, mm-hmm. because there's going to be you know with the. Uh, tremendous growth of the organization there will be and, and, and the, the results of the organization, the the actual results in the field, um, you always will have you, you will also have a tremendous growth in activities and actions. Mm-hmm. And uh, that needs to be uh, managed. and for that you need to be extremely focused. Focus on the priorities and keep redefining your priorities uh, all the time. You know, sure. that, that should be a frequent process. That's, that's very helpful. One thing I, try, by the way, appreciate about... Um, one of the things that your CEOs has done very well is getting everybody at each level involved in the changes and the development. Mm-hmm. And I think that's really one of the, the keys of the success at this moment. Mm-hmm. Uh, an example is a workshop that we've done in the last three days in which we had um, 40 managers involved in basically defining defining the priorities for the next uh, couple of years, uh, that is a that is a wonderful step to uh, to get people involved, uh, which will help in uh, in getting things done also in this growth,
1: and also building the second line of leadership. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Thank you, Jan. It was absolutely a pleasure having you on the show, and friends. Uh, if I have to describe Jan Dirk in one sentence, I would say he's a curious bystander, learning about life and people every day. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you once again, Jan. Thank you, Pooja. <laughs> Thank you for being with us. Stay tuned for more. You can also listen to these podcasts on Spotify, Apple, and Google.